Have you ever wanted to meet your favorite professional athlete? Packers stars of yesterday and today, including Devontae Adams, Amon Green, Jair Alexander, Antonio Freeman, Aaron Jones, and Jamal Williams are all available for bookings right now. Mayfield Sports specializes in these special moments between fans and their favorite professional athletes. Head over to MayfieldSportsMarketing.com to see the full list of available athletes to book your favorite professional athlete at your next event. Welcome to the Game on Fantasy Podcast with your hosts, Tyler Grezegorik and Gage Bridgeford. Welcome back to the Game on Fantasy Podcast. My name is Tyler Grisigoric. I am back for this Week 11 review. Uh, Gage and Alex held down the live stream on Saturday, but I am back. Sunday, but yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. My schedule is all jacked up. So if you haven't been paying attention, I've been moving. So this this is like day six of that. So uh, uh, I'm kind of all over the place. But Gage has been holding it down here for Game on Fantasy. Uh, Him and Alex took over on Sunday. Uh, but I've, uh, I'm here tonight to talk the Week 11 games, and uh, there, there's quite a bit to talk about. Uh, I bet on quite a bit of these games this weekend, and I did not do well. But I think that indicates how your fantasy landscapes are going to look as well. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was not a good week for betting purposes. I actually did surprising, uh, surprisingly well for fantasy. In my 13 leagues that I'm in, I think I am like projected to go like nine and four on the week so it was a, it was a good week for me uh fantasy wise i lost the i'm gonna lose in the pack a day league and i blame maggie loney for that because she tweeted at me less than 10 minutes into the games when i had like a 12 point lead and her score was 6.66 points i'm like it's really early sure enough she's gonna end up beating me by like 30 and i'm like there you go i built my entire team in that league on running back depth and i've had and just there's no it's not helping at all um, but yeah, so for fantasy, I had a good week. I know a lot of people did not. I had a terrible week. I think I'm going one in five in my major leagues. The other ones are like, yeah, it's not the good. rebuilding. Yeah, not good. <laughs> it's not good. Um, and that's even my, that's including my contending teams and all that. It's just, a, it was a bad week for me. So, uh, that's, I'm ready to put it behind me, but we do need to discuss some things, uh, pertaining to this week. And that's what we're going to do tonight. Uh, and if you're listening to this on Tuesday morning, uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about some of these games, and there is a lot of disgusting ones. There's some um, some bad news that we're going to have to go over for some of these games. I know we're still experiencing the hangover from the Packers' loss to Indy, even though it wasn't that bad of a loss, not nearly as bad of a loss as Twitter has been making it seem. But we'll get to that we'll, game we'll in a bit. We'll talk about that game when we get there. Right. But we're going to start with Eagles-Browns. So Philadelphia and Cleveland, they were playing in Cleveland, and it was bad weather. And Carson Wentz... Uh, actually had a decent fantasy day considering uh, the, some of the you know the weather and everything that happened in this game. He had a lot of turnovers, but he still had two touchdowns, 235 points or 235 yards, uh, 10 yards on the ground. So you probably weren't losing because of Carson Wentz this week, but you probably weren't winning either. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Baker Mayfield 
didn't really have that great of a day, but he didn't do anything wrong either. He just didn't have the opportunity to score, to throw a touchdown pass, and the, the weather really dictated this game. And Nick Chubb took over 20 carries, 114 yards, but Baker Mayfield had 12 of 22 for 204, uh, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, but both of these quarterbacks had low quarterback ratings. So I didn't get a chance to watch this game in depth. Uh, what were some of your takeaways from this game? This game was not as close as the final score would make you think it was. Uh, Philly got a really late score that brought them within five, but just this game wasn't close. Cleveland dominated from stem to stern. They, I don't think they ever trailed in this game as far as I can remember. Uh, Nick Chubb really took over in that final quarter. He had the big 54-yard run where he grown man some uh, grown man a couple of guys. Uh, just everybody got in on the fun on that run. And Cleveland is doing exactly what they're built to do, which is win ugly. They're not going to win pretty. They're like Minnesota. They're they're not going to win. They're not going to win pretty games. They're going to win ugly. And these and the weather the way it is right now is perfectly suited for them. They have five big, ugly dudes up front that love to hit you in the mouth, and they're hitting everybody in the damn mouth right now. So, I'm so I'm loving I'm I'm loving Cleveland football right now. You're you're you would wish you would like to get more out of guys like Jarvis and Hooper, maybe even Rashard Higgins, but this is what you expected coming into the year was Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were going to be your main fantasy pieces. OBJ obviously before the injury, but. Right now, it's going exactly how we would expect it to, and it's going exactly how Kevin Stefanski wants it to. On the other side of things, for Philly, Miles Sanders didn't really get involved too much. Dallas Goddard got a touchdown, had a good day, 5 for 77 and a score on six targets. Richard Rodgers, 2 for 48 and a touchdown on two targets. Alshon Jeffrey had the most pathetic jumping attempt I've ever seen. On I that saw that. Yeah. That was bad. Like, how, I, I'm not even going to blame Carson Wentz for that because he was putting trust in Jeffrey to make that play, and he put the ball probably in a place that only Jeffrey could have gotten it had Jeffrey actually played the ball correctly. It was he didn't even jump, man. Get up, just he got it. Go vertical. Boban Marjanovic is seven two and weighs three hundred plus pounds, and he can get more height on that jump than you did. Yeah, it was Come pretty on. pathetic. It was pretty bad. It was it was bad. So as far as I'm concerned, just. Carson Wentz was bad. Yes, obviously he had a decent fantasy day, and that's all we really care about here. But just Carson Wentz is busted, and I don't know why Philly keeps putting him out there. Just put Jalen Hurts on the field or something. You spent a second-round pick on the guy. This isn't like Green Bay where people – like nobody's clamoring for Jordan Love because Rodgers is playing well. Carson Wentz is playing bad. Carson Wentz shouldn't be on the field right now. You cannot continue to put him out there and then be confused when he continues to struggle. Like I, Like I don't understand where – I don't, I don't understand where you're all – everybody's infatuated with him. Get Sanders – Miles Sanders involved in the running game. 16 for 66 three, and 3 for 15 in, in the air. Didn't do anything there. Just – it was gross. I can't – I don't like Philly. The NFC least remains unexcited. Cleveland has a really good shot at making the playoffs right now. They Did you say play- NFC least? Yeah, I know what I said. <laughs> I just want to make sure I heard you right. Yeah, no, you heard me correctly. They're the NFC least division. The Browns have a good shot at making the playoffs. They have to play against uh, Pittsburgh and Baltimore again, so I'm going to chalk up those two as losses, so let's call them 7-5. and five. But other than that, they have a really favorable ske- uh, schedule down the stretch here, and the you cannot say the same for the Eagles. The Eagles have to play Green Bay. I think they have to play Indy. they got to play a bunch of winning teams. So let's see. For the Browns, they have to play Tennessee, Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Their other three games are New York, New York, 
and Jacksonville. They're probably going to go 10 and 6 or 11 and 5. Do you think that there's a path for the Eagles to win six games? They need to win uh, three more games. You know what? Let's go ahead and pull up their schedule real quick, and we'll go through that, and then we'll move on to the next game. Because there might be a path. I don't know, though. So let's see. Philly right now is, what, 3-6-1? and one? Is that right? Yes. Yeah, 3-6-1. and one. Their next game, they play Seattle. You're not picking Philly to win that game. Absolutely not. They're, they go to Green Bay. Nope. For Green for all of Green Bay's inability to play up above their competition, they're you're not picking Philly to win that game. Then they play New Orleans. No. And then they go to Arizona. No. So there's four losses right there. So if you put in those, they're now three ten and one. And then they have Dallas on the road, and then they finish the season against Washington at home, and Washington has already beat them once this year. So that's two. That's even. That's two wins. They have. They have to sneak a win somewhere else in order to get the six and, wins. And I. And, but I'm not picking them over Seattle, New Orleans. Oh no, absolutely not. Bay. I wasn't sure what their remaining schedule was. I don't. Maybe there isn't a path to six wins because I think six wins wins the division, which is stupid and super sad. Which is why the NFL needs to revamp their seating system. But that's a discussion for another time. Uh, the 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 six wins could win this NFC East division though, and. Um, it might be Dallas. It might be Washington. I think those are the only two teams that really have a legitimate chance. I don't know about the Giants. I think they're too inconsistent. And uh, Joe Judge is punching people. Have the team, the chance. <laughs> I Giants have to play at Cincinnati. Technically, all these teams have an equal shot at fucking. <laughs> excuse me. At okay, freaking so doing this. <laughs> the Giants have to play Cincinnati, and then they also have to play Dallas. So there's five, and then they have to sneak a win off of Baltimore, Arizona at home, Cleveland at home, and at Seattle. So. I think they could maybe steal that Cleveland game. Possibly. I know I just chalked it up as, like, that's a Cleveland dub, but Baker being Baker, it's possible. And, okay. I, and Dallas is bad. I'm not. All right. We have talked about a bad division for far too long. Yeah. They're, so they're let's no move on to another bad team, and the Atlanta Falcons taking on the New Orleans Saints. Uh, this game was disgusting as well. I mean, it, the, the score... The score is 24 to 9. New Orleans won this game. They go to 8 and 2 on the year, take over the first seed in the NFC. But overall, I mean, New Orleans was not impressive. I, I honestly, you're going to look at the box score and say, yes, Taysom Hill uh, did a fine job and he did what he's supposed to do. Great. Sean Payton was out there galaxy braining this offense and it was hurting them so much. You're Why are you using Taysom Hill almost as much as you're using Alvin Kamara? Because for reasons. It makes no sense to me. Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray, and Taysom Hill had similar utilization in this game. Kamara had 13 carries, Murray had 12, Taysom Hill had 10 carries. And then Latavius Murray had two two targets, and Kamara had one. So what, what is going on here in New Orleans? Like I said, Sean Payton is galaxy-braining this offense, and it's hurting them. Because Kamara should be getting 20 to 25 touches a game easily. And, you know uh, who else Galaxy brained themselves yesterday? Green Bay and Matt LaFleur and Mike Patton, but we're not going to talk about that yet. We'll get that to that in a minute. I agree, though. Watching this game was frustrating from not only a fantasy standpoint, just from a general football standpoint. You have Atlanta, who can't stop the run, and you're trying to make Taysom Hill, who you when he completed his or attempted his 18th pass on the day, he had already doubled his career pass attempts. But that's not his thing, man. You, the whole reason he's out there is because he can run the ball. Look what happened when he ran the ball in the second half. Ten carries for 51 yards, two touchdowns. Just you let him do what he's good at. There's this I, – I still don't understand why 
coaches insist on doing this thing where they try and make a player what they're not. Stop it. Let guys be good at what they're doing. This whole, like the the Russ Wilson, let Russ Cook movement. Free Aaron Jones. Let Aaron Jones do his thing. Let Aaron Rodgers do their thing. Let your stars, and I'm not calling Taysom Hill a star. I'm just saying that he can be good at his thing. Let I, him be good at his, at, his, at his You know, thing you know what would have been fun? It would have been fun to see like an option offense between Hill and Kamara. I think that would have been a blast to watch because it's not something we typically get in the NFL. Uh, I think the Patriots do it a little bit more than anybody else now. I mean, the Panthers used to do it too with Cam Newton, but that's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see Hill and Kamara running running those options, but uh, that was not the case. We did not get that. Uh, we did get a Kamara Wildcat snap at one point. I mean, that was fun. Yeah, but... that was the... I don't know if you saw me, like, my reply to that. That is the biggest waste of a formation that there is in football. You know why? <laughs> I disagree. I disagree because you They're can do some different gonna... things. But they're not going to throw it. You could. And everybody knows. No, 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 no. They're not. They've never but done you it. could. <laughs> Even Tennessee last year with Derrick Henry in the playoffs threw the damn ball in that. You have to give them the threat of a throw. Otherwise, everyone knows you're going to run it. It's, it's like when, a, when Taysom Hill comes in during a regular game and Drew Brees is playing. Everyone knows you're running the ball. Everyone in the building knows. I know, and I'm on my couch. You have to... <laughs> Like, there's this, like, I like the idea of an uh, exotic scheme. Getting Kamara back there in the backfield, getting one of your guys back there that's not a traditional quarterback, but make the, give them, just throw one time. If you throw once every, like, once, like, twice a season out of that formation, that automatically complicates things for the defense. You don't have to do it a lot. I got into this big debate with Jacob Westendorf about Green Bay and then trick plays on punts or doing exotic things on punts. And his, his whole thing was, oh, well, you don't want to take the ball out of 12's hands. If I want someone throwing it, I'll give it to my quarterback. Yeah, I get that. But the idea is I'm trying to make it to where you have an advantage. It's easy for a defense to line up with Aaron Rodgers under center and be like, okay, he can throw the ball. Let's go ahead and prepare for that. J.K. Scott, you're assuming he's back there throwing the ball or punting the ball, and then he coils up and just, like, lofts it to a fullback. It's an easy play. It's not open all the time, but if you can get the right alignment – it could work. So I just think Kamara, if you have him in the backfield, throw it up to Michael Thomas. Throw it up to Jared Cook, Adam Troutman, one of these guys. Do something. Speaking of Do Michael something. Thomas, he got 12 targets on the day. He returned to he form did. a little bit. Uh, I think that this is kind of what we expected. It was going to be a slow return for him, uh, considering all the time he missed uh, this, this season already. Uh, but my, nine, nine catches, 104 yards, didn't get in the end zone, but 12 targets. That's what you're looking for to Michael Thomas. That's what made him such a valuable fantasy asset uh, coming into the year uh, and for you last year. So Emmanuel Sanders, four for 66 on five. Uh, that's pretty good. Most of that comes off of a fluke, uh, we'll call it saving of Taysom Hill, uh, when it was at the end of the half and Taysom Hill underthrew him by about 10 yards. Yeah, it didn't great. matter. It was a completion, right? So that's yeah. going to show up on the stat still sheet. A better, but, yeah, still a better deep ball than but I But Emmanuel done, I Sanders bailed him out heavily on that play, 3 for 22 otherwise. But, uh, yeah, that, that so I, I wouldn't expect too much more out of Emmanuel Sanders moving forward, but... Can we talk about Jared Cook for a second? Because he has really fallen off the map. He was, a few weeks ago, we were talking about him as a borderline tight end one play every single week. Yeah. And now he's probably unplayable. Uh, I, I, I actually just dropped him um, in a contending dynasty team. I just dropped him for uh, a different, I think for Kyle's Hyde or something like that. You dropped but, him in dynasty? I did, because he's about 36, I, I, I don't care. Like, if he's, not, if he's not producing this year for me, 
what value does he provide? Like he's he's older, and I, I just don't I just don't have much value for that if he's not going. He's produce. only thirty three. No way. Call him thirty. He I I'm looking at it right now. April anyway, seventh, nineteen eighty six. I I think Father Time is getting to him, and that's why I brought up the age thing. So I'm watching him play. I maybe it's the Taysom Hill thing. One target is not going to do it for me, and this is the maybe the third straight week where he's underperformed. I I just can't. I I think I'm done on Jared Cook. So. Um, let's move on to the Atlanta side. They got ravaged up front, and I think that's the entire story here. You can't put any stock into anything we saw from Atlanta this week other than the offensive line. It's really bad. Uh, Gurley took a big hit. <coughs> Excuse me. Gurley took a big hit. Matt Ryan was sacked eight times, and then uh, Calvin Ridley, five for 90. Russell Gage, seven for 58. Julio Jones uh, was injured for a good part of this game. And yeah, he so, was. He uh, he was in and out, and then he was just eventually out. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and let Tyler go ahead and recover here. He was kind of coughing and whatnot. Julio left this game early with an injury, came back, and then left again, and then we didn't see him. He only saw two targets on the day. The biggest benefactor of that was Russell Gage, he as came back it was late. earlier in the year. Yeah, but he didn't see any work late. Granted, he got, no, he got because... a target late. So because he was he was sitting. I remember cause I was watching my fantasy lineup. I have Julio on oh, my okay. teams. I was watching my fantasy lineup for the majority of the game. He had one for like seventeen or something like that, and then he got one on their final drive, their final turnover. He got one, but uh, he did come back. He did have he did make a play, but for the most part, he was injured. Something to monitor again with Julio uh, is those injuries moving forward. But uh, Russell Gage as always steps up there uh, when Julio goes down. So 758 on 12 targets. And then we, we talked about Ridley, but five, five for 90 on nine. So what I've he, noticed is when gauge or when Julio is out, gauge is the primary benefactor, but when Ridley's out, it's more like the Christian Blake, Olamati, Zacchaeus show. I feel like, yeah, who like gauge really fills that Julio role. And obviously no one can fully replace Julio because he's a generational talent at wide receiver. But when, but that's the role he takes on in this offense is he does what Julio does. And when Ridley's out, it's guys like Christian Blake, Olamide, Zacchaeus, et cetera. So I think that that's, like you said, something to monitor. If Julio's going to miss again this week, maybe you go and pick up Russell Gage and try to about deflect in a deep league. I, it's not a guarantee, but it's a possibility. But yeah, um, no, the offense, the front just got ravaged. And when Todd Gurley struggled... I wasn't surprised. I told everybody all week, I'm like, I'm tempering expectations. I'm playing him because I don't have a better option. But I'm also being wary of, like, the front that he's going up against. I mean, this offense couldn't run the ball. They weren't in, they weren't in a situation where they could. And then when they tried to throw it, they just couldn't protect Ryan. It was just a mess all around on the offensive front. Uh, one thing on Ridley before we move on here. He was making some plays in this game. Uh, there was specifically one play on the sideline where he simply outjumped the corner, uh, and it was wildly impressive and not something we've seen from him uh, yet. So if he's continuing to add tools to his game, it just makes him an even more valuable of a fantasy asset, even though he's a top maybe five wide receiver right now uh, in terms of the season. But he, he's, he's continuing to add tools to his game, and uh, he's becoming incredibly fun to watch. Yeah, he is. I, I don't have anything else to add to this game. Where are we heading next, Tyler? Where's our next trip? Uh, sad city. We're going to go to Bengals and Washington. Um, that's, that's real sad. It is sad. Uh, Joe Burrow, torn ACL, MCL, and other structural damage was a report I saw today. Uh, yep. He's out, obviously, for this year, and even 2021 is in question from what I've read. 
So uh, prayers out to Joe Burrow. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna have a long road to recovery. And the the look the look on the other Bengals players' faces when he was injured was equivalent to what we saw when Dak went down. The 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 entire mood shifted for this team. Uh, it, it just goes to show what he meant in such a short period of time for him to create this rapport with his team uh, and become that leader was wildly impressive. And to see the effect that his injury had on the rest of the team, they were defeated and depleted. I don't think that we can rely on the Bengals for the rest of the season. And I, I honestly mean that. Uh, Ryan Finley is not it. He's not going to be able to keep this offense going. Uh, the so the, the interesting thing here is Joe Burrow had zero sacks. He was not sacked once in this game, but Ryan Finley was sacked four for thirty-one. I, it, it just goes to show the difference between those two players. Uh, it was just really unfortunate, and it's not even like a fluke injury for Joe Burrow. Like he legitimately got high load. It, it's just a football play. It happens, but it's unfortunate. And so he's gonna he's gonna have a long road to recovery. Alex Smith knows something about that. He was in this game, seventeen of twenty five, one sixty six, a touchdown interception. Uh, not a terrible game for him. I think it's well what we expected. I thought maybe there'd be a few more yards in the air, but honestly, Washington just decided to control this game on the ground. Uh, they had twenty thirty. They had thirty running back carries in this game, uh, even one for Logan Thomas. They just decided to run the ball down the Bengals' throat and really take control of the clock and the time of possession in this game. Antonio Gibson, 16 of 94 for a touchdown. Uh, J.D. McKissick, 6 of 43. He did not score a touchdown, but he did put 3 for 26 on four targets. So he saw a little bit of a workload decrease. But like I said, they, they decided to run the ball today. That's why Peyton Barber got eight carries. So uh, this this game is a little hard to glean anything from. Other than Antonio Gibson, I think I, I'm becoming willing to admit I was wrong on Antonio Gibson. He continues to put up points. I just don't know if I'm buying him long-term. Yeah, I'm not buying him long-term. Uh, I, I'm i buying him as like a gadget piece, but I'm not buying him as like a legitimate RB1. Um, he's still only got 16 carries in this game. That's not a huge workload. That's a good one, but not a great one. It's also against a really bad run defense, so I'm not putting too much stock into it. JD only getting four catches or t- targets on the day. You're like, that's weird. He just had like 16 last week. But yeah, when your quarterback only throws 25 times and you are leading pretty much the entire game. That's you a 16% no target share. That's yeah, what you had, don't, so that's pretty yeah, good. <laughs> you don't need to th- yeah, you don't need to throw a ton. Uh, like you said, on the Bengals side, Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins have been carrying fantasy teams for a while. And that's no longer going to be the case. I, I can't have faith in Boyd and Higgins in my fantasy lineup. I think Boyd is the only one. I, maybe, but I, I'm just, I'm not putting a ton of stock into him. If I'm like, if he's, you probably don't have a better option. You probably don't, but I'm also just being realistic. By the way, T Higgins still had 10 targets on the day. Yeah. I, I need to go back and watch those targets because how, I don't know how he ends up three for 10. Um, that's kind of not good, but I mean, it, there could be a number of factors there. Uh, but I, I think in terms of this offense moving forward, everybody takes a huge step down. I mean, Joe Mixon's on IR now, so you got Giovanni Bernard for the next three weeks at least. I don't I think, think they bring back Mixon. I, don't, I think Joe Mixon's done for the year. I agree. I don't think I, we see what, him again. what is the reason for bringing him back at this point? There isn't one. I, I don't. I don't think Cincinnati brings him back. Uh, they probably should have traded AJ Green uh, at the trade deadline. No, but he's going to be there, and so the, you're going to have these three guys. I, I, they're, they're, unless Ryan Finley 
suddenly becomes a good quarterback overnight. He won't. This offense is just going to take a huge step back, and they're two and seven and one right now. They're instantly going to become a Jets level team for me without Joe Burrow. Yeah. Also, I'm, quick thing for those of you that bet, um, if you can get Penny Sewell to the Bengals as a betting like option, go put money on it because they're yeah. going to finish with the third. They're going to finish with the second or third pick, and they're not trading out of it. Like if maybe the Jag- the Jaguars they might trade down like one spot, but they would they're not going to trade out of Penny Sewell. Penny Sewell no, range. they're not going to. Yeah, it. so that's that's what it's going to be. So for those of you, you don't know who that is yet. Money, be sure to tune into some of our draft coverage, which is coming shortly, because Penix will be a name we talk about a lot uh, in yep. terms of the 2021 class. So, we're going to tackle. Yes. Let's move on to a better game. That was a very sad game to watch. Uh, I definitely picked the Bengals there. It was a pick uh, Another pick was Lions and Panthers this week. Uh, this, was a, this was an interesting game. Uh, the Panthers kind of didn't do anything special. The Lions were just bad. And... It, I don't know. Game, I don't have anything else to add. I mean, it's it's just such a weird game. Here's the weird part about it. This game was a twenty to zero blowout, and that doesn't even typify how much of a blowout this game was. PJ Walker threw two interceptions in the end zone, not in the red zone, not near the end zone, in the end zone. Two picks in the end zone. This game could have easily been, let's call it twenty six zero. Let's say they just kicked two field goals. It's twenty six zero. But they also, but they had multiple opportunities to score more touchdowns here. PJ Walker, XFL legend. I, I was so happy when I saw that he he's was a lot starting. of fun to watch. He was a lot of fun to watch. I was so but... happy when he was starting because I was like, yes, nothing against Teddy Two Gloves. But I am, I was super excited. I had this game on. I have no like, there's no rooting interest here. Like, yeah, there's fantasy pieces, but I wasn't concerned about that. I just wanted to watch PJ Walker. Because he was fun to watch in the XFL. I wanted to watch him here. I have him rostered in one league explicitly because I thought because he was fun to watch in the XFL. Um, DJ Moore had went 0 for 1 on passing attempts, but he did have seven catches for 127 yards and on 11, 11 targets. targets. Yes. Curtis Samuel, 8 for 70 and a score on 10 Finally. targets. <laughs> Robbie Anderson, 7 for 46 on 9 targets. You would have liked to have seen Robbie had more yards. But that's still that's a decent day. That's eleven points that, and you probably have him in your flex because of where you had drafted him at. Mike Davis, nineteen for sixty-four on the ground with a score. Uh, he also had two catches for fifteen yards. That's a decent day. That's twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. That's a fifteen-point fantasy day. You'll take that all day long in full PPR. It was a fun day to be a Panthers fan. On the other side of things, it was not so fun. You had Matt Stafford, eighteen for thirty-three, one hundred seventy-eight yards. No scores, no picks, nothing. F- sacked five times on the day. The rushing game did nothing against the second worst rush defense in football. AP seven for eighteen. Carry on Johnson six for seventeen. Not even going to talk over Stafford's four for five. In the receiving game, Hawkinson four for sixty-eight on seven targets. Marvin Jones Jr. four for fifty-one on six, and then nothing else of note after that. There was a couple deep shots they took to Agnew, and they just couldn't connect. And that. Like, that could have really swung the game in their favor. Just Stafford just barely missed them a couple of times. Yeah, I have absolutely nothing to add. I mean, it's almost like they were missing their best wide receiver and best running back or something like that, you know? But, it's uh, crazy. <laughs> overall, they just struggled. Uh, they were the opposite of op- opportunistic. They were com- the complete opposite of that. They were just giving away opportunities. So the, the Lions were doing Lions things, uh, and overall – 
that's why the score was 20 nothing. They probably could have won this game, honestly. It was not like it was a super blowout, uh, as the score would indicate. The, it wasn't like the Panthers were playing suffocating defense. The Lions were just being the Lions. And so I, when Galladay comes back, you're still playing Galladay. When Swift comes back, you're still playing Swift. Matthew Stafford's still a good piece moving forward. Hopefully that thumb recovers a little bit quicker. Uh, but let's move on because there's not a lot to talk about here. There's not a lot to talk about the next game either. The next game was also a disgusting, gross fest. Uh, 27-3, Pittsburgh over the Jaguars. Uh, the Jaguars moved to 1-9 and nine on the season. Uh, Jake Luton is not the answer. Four interceptions, uh, 12.4 no. ESPN QBR rating, 151 yards. Uh, you, I hope you didn't play him. I did because I absolutely didn't, I had no choice. So <laughs> I probably got negative points. So <laughs> Oh, you definitely got negative points. Man. Actually, I That's... think I got like – I think I had like two or three points. I don't, I don't know. Point. Based on like standard – I'm going off of the traditional ESPN scoring, which is one point for 25 yards. He would have had six for passing yards and he would have had negative eight for interceptions. So that's negative two points. If you got a league that gives you more points, then good for you. But that's in ESPN traditional scoring. That is negative two. Yeah, it was. I, I didn't want to do it, but I had, I had absolutely no other choice. So I, I had to play Jake Luton, and, and I regretted it instantly. So Jacksonville rushing, uh, James Robinson. That's, 17%. that's literally it. No, I mean, I just wanted to, you know, there's nobody absolutely nobody else. else. Touch on, the, on the ground, yeah. <laughs> so James Robinson, 17 for 73. Uh, DJ Chark, 4 for 41 in the air on eight targets. Overall, the air game suffered. Uh, the the Pittsburgh Steelers did a good job this week of really locking down the, the running, I'm sorry, the passing game for the Jaguars. And on the other side of the ball, they were pretty much able to do whatever the heck they wanted. Uh, they James Conner had 13 carries for 89 yards. Benny Snell had typical Benny Snell numbers, 7 for 15, and then he snaked a touchdown there. Ben Roethlisberger, 32 of 46, 267, two touchdowns and an interception. Deontay Johnson, 12 catches. Yes, that's catches for 111 yards, no score, 16 targets. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster did get hurt in this game, was not until later. But if he can't go on Thursday, which it doesn't look like he'll be able to go on Thursday... You're smashing Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool into your lineups. Uh, Chase Claypool had another touchdown this week, 4 for 59 on 8 targets, and e- and Eric Ebron had another touchdown this week, 4 for 36 on 7. Yeah, um, quick thing. So I know that you and I, but you rank for Dynasty Nerds, right? Uh, not yet, but it isn't working. Okay. Okay, so I rank over Dynasty Nerds, and Deontay Johnson was a topic of discussion among the rankers today because there are there is a very widespread on this this guy. The reason I'm talking so long on this guy is because there's not a lot that was of interest in this game other than Deontay Johnson. Chase Claypool is fun. He's good. He's young. You should be buying him. Eric Ebron is a great fill-in tight end. And if you were smart and listened to me all draft season, you got him for dirt cheap, and he is paying dividends now. But Deontay Johnson, there is a big split on people that have him in their top 50 and then there's people that have them outside their top outside their like top 175. So there's a big gap there. I have to adjust my ranks tonight, um, and I will get to that after we get off this pod here. What do you think is the dynasty value of Deontay Johnson? Not and I because redraft clearly he's a wide receiver too. I think sure. because of the inconsistency, some of the injury history, I'm not paying more than a first at the absolute most. I think it depends on your team situation. If uh, It depends on what you believe they're going to do with Juju Smith-Schuster. Do you think they're going to let Juju walk? Then, yeah, I'm going to invest a first in Deontay Johnson and probably feel okay about it. Uh, I'd, rather, I'd rather try and see if I could throw a first for Claypool. Uh, you might still be able to get him for a first. 
But uh, Deontay Johnson is probably a back end first for me. I'd probably try to do a first for Deontay Johnson and then like something small. But that that's the how... main issue I have with these receivers though has nothing to do with them. Has nothing to do with their talent. Has ben. nothing to do with Juju's contract. It's all to do with Big Ben. Yeah, that's ben fair. Has... Yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty Ben's... there. I think Ben's elbow is the version of Miles Jack's knee. I think it's a ticking time bomb, and it's just going to go off at one point, and it's going to be over. Uh, he already is dealing with an elbow injury this year. We've seen him getting his elbow worked on consistently on the sidelines of just about every game. He is he continues to lack mobility. He threw the ball 46 times in it. In a game you win 27-3, to your quarterback th- throws the ball 46 times? That's not okay. You, you can't be doing that. Especially with a guy that is already dealing with elbow issues. But yeah, that's my reasoning with Deontay Johnson. That's what a couple of the rankers said today was, it's nothing against Johnson. Love the talent. Absolutely love the talent. And love the production when he's on the field. But Ben could be gone in two years? Less than that. Maybe one more year. Yeah, Ben Uh, could be done at the end of... Like, if Pittsburgh makes a run and wins a Super Bowl, if I'm Ben, I'm out. Peace. Yeah, I agree. I am peacing out because I'm, I'm I, I can't go out any higher than that yeah no I agree it's Big Ben is gonna have a big part of that that decision in terms of building my roster and adding Deontay Johnson to it but let's move on to a funner game uh Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens uh this was one of my favorite upsets of the week the Titans were six point underdogs coming into this game I was pretty satisfied picking them and pr- they they held their own through the entire game there was a brief stretch where i thought they might lose the game but they were still going to cover every time like no matter what they're going to cover uh so the titans win 30 to 24 in overtime uh derrick henry did derrick henry things again uh ryan Tannehill he managed the heck out of this game like he does every week uh so he has game manager numbers 259 yards two touchdowns one interception Derrick Henry, 28 carries, 133 yards, and then the final touchdown to put the nail in the coffin. Uh, he's, a, he's an animal, Derrick Henry. He is a man amongst boys. And I can, if I'm a Tennessee like defender, I just hate having to go against him and A.J. Brown in practice because A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry are grown men. Like, A.J. Brown big boyed four different defenders on one play. He should have been tackled and then threw off three different dudes and then ran over a fourth one to score. Derrick Henry did the same thing just all day long, running over everybody. He didn't do a lot in the first three quarters, but as as always, that fourth quarter and that overtime, you don't want to hit him. The dude's big. And then when it comes to – I'm I am terrified. I'm normally not terrified about matchups for Green Bay. And I know we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. I am terrified for the Green Bay matchup in December. Absolutely. And because Derrick Henry's one, this team's built to beat Green Bay on the offensive side. But two, if if Derrick Henry gets a lead, you're just gonna beat down the you're gonna beat down that defense all day long, which is what he did here. Tennessee always stayed close. They never they always were in it. They they weren't too far off. Like at halftime, they were down fourteen to ten. They were staying close. Then it was fourteen to what, then it was like seventeen to 17 to 21, they were staying in touch, staying close to them, making plays. And then when when you let up, they're gonna go beat you. And that's exactly what happened. Henry just big boyed and ran all over you for the end through the uh, through the end of the game. And you love to see it. 
Absolutely. And I think he had, a, what, a 30 or 40 yard run? Or it was 20. It was 29 yards. 29 uh, yards for the game winner. Yeah. It was, it was pretty nice. Uh, so Ryan Tannehill, had, Ryan Tannehill added four carries for 35 yards, uh, but that's not really of note. Let's move into the receiving core here. Corey Davis, once again, uh, he's back. Uh, and I love it because Corey Davis is awesome. And I'm so happy to see him finally start being consistently successful. Uh, five catches, 113 yards on seven targets, had a big 50-yard catch. Uh, A.J. Brown had a muscle into the end zone, touchdown, four for 62 on seven. If these two guys can keep it up, uh, they're going to be a great duo for a couple years here. Uh, Corey Davis, I think, has, what, one more year before he has to be – or no, he, I think he'd be activated this offseason for his fifth year. So the Titans are going to have a decision to make there. But this this duo will be around next year at least. And so I'm excited to watch them continue to play and talk about a duo, Anthony Ferkser and Jonathan, John Smith. Excuse me. Uh, Anthony Ferkser, he deserves to be talked about because he's he's definitely – He's definitely the backup tight end here, but he's been getting a pretty consistent target uh, target rate throughout the season. I, I think he's um, we're approaching with these two guys, Johnny Smith and Anthony Ferkser, approaching Eagle status tight end usage, and um, in 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 tight end positive matchups, I think we can play Ferkser as a as a streamer. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sold on the idea of Ferkser as a long-term thing. But oh, absolutely not getting... long-term. No, sorry. Uh, well, I mean, what I'm saying is, like, past this week. Like, he may, go he go might look be... at his targets. No, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. He is getting consistent work, and I just – I'm not seeing the yardage. So then, therefore, I'm seeing a guy that's getting volume, great. But if he's not converting it into yards and not converting touchdowns – like, Johnny only had four for 20 in this game on six targets, but he got the score. Johnny has – as many touchdowns this year as Robbie Anderson, Julio Jones, and well, he uh, leads the league in tight end touchdowns. So, but no, 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 there was a stat I saw yesterday. It was Julio Jones, Robbie Anderson, and one other really good receiver that Johnny Smith has as many touchdowns as them combined on receiving, and that doesn't even include his one rushing touchdown he got against Indianapolis last week. So, that's where I was getting at. Um, I think that Ferkser could be a thing. I'm not ready to go in on it yet. But I do like the I, I do like kind of where your head's at there, and especially if we see like one of the, some of these other tight ends fall off, such as Jared Cook, who you mentioned earlier. Ferkser might be a decent fill in if you are have been relying on Jared Cook all year. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's just worth monitoring. Mostly is where I'm getting at with that. But speaking of monitoring, let's go to the Baltimore running game. Uh, Lamar Jackson at 13 for 51. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, 15 carries, led the running back group easily. Gus Edwards had three carries. Mark Ingram had two. 15 carries for 70 yards and a touchdown for J.K. Dobbins. Uh, he also added two for 15 on two targets in the air. Uh, I love to see J.K. Dobbins finally starting to get some work. I'm not 100% ready to buy in yet. I'm not. But I do think that it's on the right track, and it's going to hit right before the fantasy playoffs, which is great. Because all those, uh, those all those investments that you put into J.K. Dobbins are going to kind of really start to pay off here uh, as the as the games matter more and more. Uh, Lamar Jackson in the air, 17 of 29, 186, one touchdown, one interception, continues to be rather mediocre as a passer. Uh, Marquise Brown, probably droppable in redraft, which is very sad to say. He's just not getting the work. He's too boomer bust when he is. Uh, Mark Andrews, five for 96, a touchdown. Des Bryant had four catches in this game. Don't know why. Willie Sneed had three catches in this game. Because he was Don't getting open. James Proch had a catch because in this game. Because they're getting awesome. open. They're, they're getting they open. They were running screens. 
You're but running screens for Des Bryant. Why are you doing that? Get, because he's able to get open. Hollywood, they're expecting him to just generate separation on his own. They're designing plays for Dez, Sneed, Prochet. Why are you designing plays for them? That's my point. You have a weapon not, in I don't Marquise agree. Brown. I don't agree with it. I'm, I'm just so frustrated. That, yeah, no, it sucks. It does. All of us think, know Hollywood Brown is good. Or Okay, I'm going to retire the Hollywood Brown nickname. I know It got retired on no, Twitter last night. I don't care. I'm, I, he's not Hollywood until he's he's... No, no, he's it's Red Box fault. Brown. If he, he had a bad drop in this game. I'll give him that. He had yeah, one bad drop. Yeah, that was bad. But, but, he, when you're, it's like, it's like, he probably was just not in the zone. Like, if he's not getting any work, he probably got super excited in his head. Just like, oh my God, I'm actually getting thrown the ball for once. And he does and he drops it. Like, you got to get these guys consistent work. Like, I don't care if, it, it's like Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is not a possession receiver. That's not like who his specialty is, right? He can do some of those things, but they, they get him consistent work even if he's not getting the big plays. He's still getting three or four catches a game. Like he, That's what they need to do with Marquise Brown. You need to keep him at least warm. You can't just say you're going to get two targets a game and then all of a sudden we're going to try and target you and then you get nothing. Like you need to get, You need to keep these guys warm. You need to get your star playmakers the ball. Why are you running end arounds to Devin Duvernay? He's a talented player. Run it to Marquise Brown. Like, like why? I, I don't understand why the Ravens refuse to give the ball to Marquise Brown. I don't know if there's something going on here from an from an attitude standpoint with the coaches. Like, I don't know if they're if they're just trying to stick it to him right now. He's obviously not happy there. Like, and I don't blame him. I just I don't know what's going on with Marquise Brown. He's a very talented player, but Baltimore obviously is not where he's going to thrive right now. Quick random stat about uh, about Tyreek Hill. Over the last three weeks, he's got 23 catches on 34 targets wow. and like 300 some <laughs> yards. So That's pretty nuts. I didn't realize he, that. But... You're like he's not a possession receiver, and I'm like, well, well, the okay. Last month he but has what about, what about yeah, okay? What about before that though? Like, I mean, obviously there's gonna be stretches of time where these guys, and that's why Tyreek Hill is a top 10 receiver though. You know, but. Mark, I'm just saying, the from a player type standpoint, who who's to say Marquise Brown couldn't do that? Okay, so on the year, Tyreek Hill has six or more targets in all but one game, and the one game he didn't was the I said catches. So how many catches is he okay, getting? That's what I'm wondering. Three or more in all but three or more in every game. Uh, he's got four or more in all but two, and one of the two was the Buffalo game where it was just a rain fest and no one was getting any passing work. So his low target game was that one. And other than that, he's got 6, 6, 6, 6, 11, uh, 10, 18 against Carolina, 14 this week. So he's getting just looks. He's getting volume. He's got They're five, also injured five, at the wide receiver four. position right now. And I mean, Sammy Watkins, but you still have Hardman and – like Hardman played last night, didn't do much. He's out there. Demarcus Robinson, that's I mean, that's the number one receiver in the Kansas City offense. That's that's Patrick Mahomes' number one guy. We've spent uh, too much time talking about Marquise Brown. Like you said, droppable in redraft, stash him in Dynasty. Absolutely. Some, go offer like a second round pick. In Dynasty, yeah, yeah, go offer a second round pick, maybe a third. Start low. I don't know why I said second. Start with a third. See if you can see if you can get get him for cheap. Uh but yeah. I'd probably go let's as high as the second. final let's head to the final game from this one o'clock slate. Houston taking down the New England Patriots 27 to 20. 
Deshaun Watson did Deshaun Watson things. And even Cam Newton got a little bit of the uh, throwing the ball action. What a surprise Cam Newton had. He's a fantasy day. Who would be surprised by that? And he only had three carries for six yards. Your right. whole logic was flawed. He didn't you, run the you, ball this week. Uh, yeah, they, you, they decided to run it with Damian right Harris. On, but... You were right on accident. It was bizarre. Okay, so every other week he's had a rushing floor. The one week he doesn't. But that's not the well, point. What I'm getting at is your whole thing is always rushing floor, rushing floor, rushing floor. And then the one game he doesn't <laughs> run the ball, he lights it up through the air. And I'm like... All right, cool, 2020, keep being you. Right. All right, so Sean Watson, 344 yards, two touchdowns, did not get a sack in the game, which was stunning considering Laramie Tunsil didn't play. I was shocked to see that stat, so that's cool. Uh, he also had six carries for 36 yards and a score. Duke Johnson, 10 for 15 on the ground, didn't do anything. Not even going to mention C.J. Procise. Duke also had three catches for 20 yards on five targets. Randall Cobb caught two for seven and a score. Kiki Cutie, two for 10 and a score. So you love to see your uh, star wide receiver. Uh, Randall, Randall Cobb, Cobb, sorry, he got hurt in this game. So Kiki Cutie, I think it's a bump moving forward. Okay, if yeah, if Cobb's out moving He's going to be out. It was a foot injury. They immediately ruled him out. I think he's going to be out for a few weeks. So Okay, cool. Brandon Cooks, four for 85 on five. Uh, Will Fuller, six for 80 on eight. And Jordan Aikens, 5 for 83 on 6. So it looks like those are your – Jordan Aikens is the guy. I don't think so. I think him and Fells just kind of take turns being the guy. I think Fells is, I think Fels is still this tight end one in this offense. Uh, but Jordan Aikens, Fuller I think, is the better receiver. Yeah. yeah, Jordan Aikens seems like the better receiver. Fells seems like the touchdown guy. I don't want to spend too much time talking about the Houston team, though. You know Brandon Cooks. You know Fuller. And then, like Tyler said, if Cobb is out – then QT uh, does see a bump. Not a huge one because he's still the third banana, uh, but he does see a bump here. I want to go talk about these Patriots receivers. Damir Bird, if you tune in to the Sunday live stream, I told you all, Damir Bird, six for 132 and a score on seven targets. I told every single one of you that he was a sleeper this week and he had potential for a big day. That's exactly what happened. Of course, it came at the expense of Jacoby Myers, who only had three catches on thir- on three targets for 38 yards. And, it, hey, your boy, and Keel Harry showed some yeah, life, 541 on eight, eight targets. Funny, they actually threw at him for once. My goodness. Novel concept, right? Uh, <laughs> and then James White had six for 64. Yeah, on nine right targets. after we say drop James White, he goes out and puts up a James White game. So thanks, James White. Well, when Cam Newton Rex Burkett, too. Rex Burkett got injured in this game. So that's a big, that's a big deal because now – James White becomes James White again. He's yeah. going to get five, six, seven carries a game. He might. He's not going to get any goal line touches. It's going to be Damian Harris. I don't think Sony Michelle is going to come in and make a big impact. Uh, he's returning off the IR soon. I thought he might play this week, but he didn't play. But he yeah, he, he returned. He's been activated from IR, but he was a healthy right. scratch for the game. Right. So he'll he'll probably be worked back into the fold next week. But I still think it's a Damian Harris show in New England with James Harris, uh, James White being the typical James White role, which is great for the playoffs because you know you can get 10 points from James White. So uh, he had nine targets. He led the team. James White did six for 64. Inkeel Harry, five for 41 and eight targets. Didn't do a ton with them. Uh, they, they, they worked him underneath, worked him short. They just need to get this guy the ball. He's going to make some plays. Uh, I want, I'm want. i excited to see that happen, uh, and I hope that it can start to happen a little bit more consistently. Uh, he's only in his second year, so I'm hoping that you know he can kind of start to pick things up. We saw, we, we're seeing it with Corey Davis now. Sometimes it just takes these guys a couple years to learn the NFL level. Uh, Jacoby Myers, I, I don't think we can rely on Jacoby Myers that much, and so he's going to be a matchup-dependent type thing, but I don't even know how to gauge that. 
So Jacoby Myers three for 38. I think you just need to be aware he's boomer bust because that's just how this Patriots offense rolls. There's not a single wide receiver on this team that I'm comfortable with moving forward. Uh, so you're really just going to have to kind of pick your battles. But Rex Burkhead, the, the only clear path here is Rex Burkhead going down leads to touches for James White. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and as I, I think as long as James or Julian Edelman is out, Demir Bird has fantasy value. I, I'm still not buying in Keel Harry. That's because I haven't. I don't like the. His, I'm not buying either because I already bought and I'm already. I'm just holding at this point. <laughs> that's fine. You can buy. I just don't like his inability to separate. He, I, I, like he can't generate any separation on his own. You're exclusively relying on his athleticism. Which is fine, but when he ha- when his teammate Jacoby Myers is roughly the same size but with better athleticism, that's just my preference there. Um, do you have anything else to add from this game, or do you want to head to this afternoon slate? They had some uh, some interesting games oh, on it. Oh gosh, the afternoon slate. This game, this week overall was just gross, and so let's we're gonna go on. Miami Denver first. Yeah, let's move on we'll to leave that the game. game that you and I can talk about for a while. We'll leave that for last. <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick. 12 for 18, 117 yards and a pick. Tua Tungavailoa, 11 for 20, 83 yards and a score. He got sacked six times on the day. Left the game early. Why is he benched? I okay. hate Brian Flores. Okay, listen, 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 no. listen. No, listen to me, Tyler. I had this game on. It was my second game for the, for the afternoon slate. He was dealing with a foot injury all week. On his final sack, he... It was either a sack or his final hit, whatever. He got hit, and his foot got kind of tangled up underneath him. It looked a little awkward. I understand Brian Flores after the game said, no, he was pulled for performance, not for health. I think it was it was for health. He looked weird. If I was Tua, I wouldn't have wanted to go back into the game. You're getting beat up. Your foot's already injured. You already have ankle issues coming into the NFL. There's no reason but to why lie about it. It doesn't make any sense. And Why lie about it? If you because. want, if you want to protect your quarterback's health, that is the, that is noble. Absolutely nobody is going to get mad or frustrated about that. Absolutely nobody. But if you're just going to pull a young quarterback because he's struggling, and then you're going to double down on it in the post game press conference and say that you pulled him for performance, but he really was injured. Like what? What is going on there? Talk. We talked about galaxy braining with the Saints earlier. Brian Flores is galaxy braining this entire Tua Tunga Valoa thing. If he's if he's indeed healthy, you play him next week. Uh, there there should he's be some clarity. He's already said he's the starter next week. Right, he's, if he's healthy, said. right? So, but I mean, also it kind of puts some doubt in my heart that you know Brian Flores is going to do this again because he clearly is a thing for Ryan Fitzpatrick. So, uh, I, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a great. He is what he is. Like he he's not he's not a top twenty five quarterback in the NFL, but he's a top level backup, borderline starter, and he injects the he injects energy into the team, and and so I could see why you would want to make that move at a certain time to try and you know get a big win and going against Denver. The going into this game, I mean, they were down ten to twenty going in the fourth, so they they needed some life. Uh, they just weren't doing anything on offense, and I don't know if that's Tua's fault. I don't know whose fault it was. I didn't get I didn't get a chance to really dissect this game, but you know I look at the stat line. I look at the stat line here: eleven of 20, 83, no picks. He got sacked six times. Like is that is that his fault? Is he missing? Is he missing protection calls? Like what what is going on here? There might be something else going on. 
But he got hit nine times. You got to factor in this is Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio's got has always been a good defensive coordinator. He makes it difficult on young quarterbacks. Last week, Miami had Justin Herbert all sorts of confused, didn't know what was going on. And I think that Denver was doing a lot of the same things here. And additionally, Tua needs help. Get separation for him. Yeah. There was like uh, Next Gen Stats factored, it had a statistic up that I think 60% of his stats were deemed high risk in that there was no separation between he and the guy he was like his, the guy he was thrown to and the defender because. Devontae Parker doesn't win in that way. Devontae Parker wins in jump balls. Gesicki, who's been playing outside as a like big slot type, he's not getting any separation. Malcolm Perry, Callaway, all these guys, none of them are gaining any separation. And you're asking Tua to fit the ball into these tight windows rather than running the RPO offense that he did when he was at Alabama. So that's why Tua's struggling. You're not setting him up for success. Get, generate natural like natural rubs. We saw it in the Green Bay Indiana game or Indianapolis game. Natural rubs. That's how you get free. That's how you get free yards. Do something to help your young quarterback. Devontae Parker six for sixty one, a touchdown on nine targets, four for forty three for Gasicki on five. I don't care about any of the other receivers. Salvin Ahmed had twelve for forty three, as well as five catches for thirty one yards. Salvages day in a big way there. You don't care about any of the other pass catchers. Moving on to Denver, Drew Locke, 18 for 30, 270 yards, and a pick. And that pick came early in the game. He had, threw that one early, settled down after that, and then had a solid, solid, not great day. He had a good a football fantasy. day. He had a good yeah, football good day, football not, a good fantasy, not a good fantasy yeah. game. Uh, he was Gordon, also dealing with a rib injury. So Yeah. Melvin Gordon, 15 for 84, two scores. Philip Lindsay, 16 for 82, no scores. You hate to see that. Then the pass catchers, Tim Patrick, 5 for 119 on eight targets. His day's a little, little uh, suspect because if you take away the play that shouldn't have happened at the very end of the game, did you see the very end of the game? No, I did not. Okay, so Denver gets to like fourth and like 14. They're just trying to run down the clock. There's four seconds left. And rather than punt it and risk a, like risk, risk something like that, they had Drew Locke roll back a couple seconds and then he just chucked it. And rather than chuck it out of bounds, he chucked it in down the field to Tim Patrick, who caught it, and then had like a 60-yard catch out of it. He completed it, which was awesome. But it's a little fluky. So really, so Tim Patrick, 5 for 119, really had like 4 for 58. But Noah Fant, 4 for 55. Jerry Judy, 3 for 37 on 8 targets. Just couldn't get any separation. It's like he was playing two really damn good corners on the day. K.J. Yeah. Hamler, 4 for 35 on 6 targets. K.J. Yeah. Hamler had one where he just bullied the corner that he was being guarded by like he ripped the ball away and said nope this is mine you're not taking it and it was pretty cool to see because everyone looks at Hamler like this gadget guy and that's not what he is man he is a legit receiver and when Cortland Sutton comes back next year a receiving trio of Fant or of Judy Hamler and it's a quadruple yeah (laughs) yeah with, with Fant in the tight end spot ooh. It's going to be fun. Dude, I'm, I'm drooling, that's why, man. That's why we were high on Drew Lock this year. Uh, I hope he gets another chance next year because I do think he has some talent. But uh, they also could go quarterback because John Elway is weird. So let's move on, though, because that was a fun game. But this one, this one it, we're going to talk about next is even more fun. Jets and Chargers. Uh, the All right. Before we talk about the Chargers, because there's a lot of juiciness on the Chargers side of the ball. On the Jets side, there's not a ton to talk about, to be honest with you. It's Joe Flacco. Don't care. You're not playing him. 
Frank Gore, LaMichael P. Ryan has, just, has had to IR today. So Frank Gore now has become a thing again because they were kind of splitting carries at a 60-40 pace. It's going to be the Frank Gore show now. And whoever the backup is might get a couple carries. But it's going to be the Frank Gore show. Uh, and between the two running backs, 23 carries, 94 yards, two touchdowns. The opportunities were there for the running backs to make plays. They both did this week. They both scored some points. In the receiving core, Denzel Mims, kind of, he kind of seems to be emerging as the number one target here. Uh, still not buying it a ton. Brashad Perryman, 254 and a score. Chris Herndon scored this week, but you're not buying it at Herndon. Uh, Ty Johnson had six targets. Ty Johnson, uh, six targets, four for 17. So he's probably the backup that you're looking at uh, with Michael Piran going down. Crowder played in this game, didn't get a lot of targets. Before we move on to the Chargers, do you have any other notes on this Jets team? Adam Gase is the greatest tank coach in the history of the world. <laughs> That's all it. Right. That's all I have. All right. Well, let's, now let's start talking about the Chargers. And we're going to start with the running back group because I don't want to talk about the running, running back group for long because Austin Eckler is coming back soon, even though Balaj had a decent day. So 16 for 44 for Balaj. Uh, he had 7 for 27. So, okay. On nine targets. Yes. Yes, the, the receiving work is there. But Eckler should be coming back soon. Uh, I think I thought he was going to come back this week and he come back this week. I think he's coming back this next week. Uh, once Eckler comes back, he becomes he resumes that immediate role that made him so valuable last year. But let's talk about this passing attack for the Chargers. Justin freaking Herbert, 37 of 49, 366 yards and three touchdowns. This kid is the real deal. And the biggest benefactor, Keenan Allen, 16 catches, 19 targets. 19 targets, 145 yards, and one touchdown. These two have a special connection. They're going to be relevant for the next few years. Keenan Allen's locked up. I'm excited to watch this Chargers team for the, for the foreseeable future. Did you know, Tyler, that on the Sunday morning live stream, there was a certain person who talked up Keenan Allen said that he was, that was my lock, that was my take it to the bank. Keenan, I said Keenan was going to have a top five day. I undersold him apparently, and he went and had a top one day, barring something obscene coming from this Monday night game. He's wide receiver one for the week. Had an outstanding week, like you said, sixty for one forty-five and a score. Mike Williams four for seventy-two to score. Justin His touchdown was nice. His touchdown was real nice. It wasn't like a typical like break open deep. He made a, he made a play after the catch, which is not typical Mike Williams. Yeah, um, that's and that was awesome to see. That was another guy that I thought could have a good day. Um, I recommended him as a start to quite a few people, and I was pleasantly, uh, I was, I was pleased with that. Hunter Henry was the was the guy I was really pleased with. Obviously, Keenan Allen was great. That's awesome. I'm not trying to blow past that. I was very pleased with his performance. Mike Williams did what I was hoping he would do, but Hunter Henry four for 48 and a score saw seven targets. That's awesome. That's that's all you got to do, Herbert. Find your studs, give them the ball. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's an easy, easy tr- strategy to having a successful career in the NFL. I don't think there's actually much to dissect here from nope. a fantasy Shock. perspective. It was just a really awesome day, and I'm just super excited to watch this team continue to gel on offense and add some pieces along the offensive line, get Eckler back, and uh, really watch this offense flourish. And hopefully the defense can kind of pick it up uh, next year, and this team will be one to watch again you know the Chargers are every year they get Derwin James back next year Joey Bosa's been dealing with injury all year I mean he played this game but he's been dealing with injury all year uh from a, gonna... quick thing from a fantasy perspective this team is the great value version of the Chiefs you're starting the quarterback yes. 
the top wide receiver, the tight top tight end, and the running back, and then you'll occasionally start the wide receiver too. I agree. All right, we're gonna move on. We're gonna talk about the last two games. I, I know that the we're gonna we're gonna skip around a little bit. Uh, we're gonna go the other afternoon game, and then we're gonna go to the Sunday night game, and then we're gonna go back to the Packers game because I know we're gonna talk a lot about the Packers game. Uh, but Cowboys Vikings, uh, the Cowboys defense is starting to show up, and the Vikings are kind of who we thought they were, which is all over the place. They don't really have a definition of good or bad. They just they decide when they want to play and when they don't. Uh, so the defense did not do what it needed to do. Kirk Cousins today had or yesterday had three, 22 of 30 for 314 yards, three touchdowns. That's great for Kirk Cousins. That's what you're asking for. Dalvin Cook, 27 for 115 and a touchdown. Great. That's what you're asking for. Adam Thielen, 8 for 123 and two scores. That's a that's a great day for him. Justin Jefferson, 3 for 86 and a touchdown. The problem with this team is on the defense. Can't be, it's not consistent enough. I mean, that secondary is pretty young and beat up overall. Uh, and so it showed. Andy Dalton had 203 for three, but honestly, the the Cowboys were able to control this game. From a tempo perspective, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, 21 carries, 103 yards. He didn't get in the end zone this week from the, on the ground, but he, he did get a receiving touchdown, 2 for 11 there with the score. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, my goodness. Did you see that touchdown? Yeah, that was impressive. And then, not to be outdone, Adam Thielen said, hey, cool, guess what, youngin', I can do some even cooler shit. It was awesome. <laughs> this game was all sorts of cool. Actually, when you said, did I see that, the uh, I have obviously ESPN pulled up for the full box score. That is the clip that's playing is the CD Lamb touchdown. The ability to just go full flat, like just parallel to the earth and get that ball. People were like, Henry Ruggs couldn't have made that catch. It's like, whatever, dude. Can you whatever. imagine, though, that like when let's just take a quick trip back to draft night and this year? There were people who thought that CD Lamb was drafted too high. You know, do you realize uh, that? Yeah, I, yeah. There were people who ooh. thought he shouldn't have been a first round pick. I, like that's that's the crazy part. Like there there was some serious hate on him as a football player coming into the NFL. I thought he was easily the best wide receiver in the class. I thought there was okay. no question about it. But I, that's where I disagree. I had Judy as my wide receiver one. I did not. I yeah. I, right. I loved Lamb, and it was one of those where they were he was two, but he was really he was one B. It was yeah, 1A, 1B is fair. I, I think like, it's a fair like, conversation. I love CeeDee Lamb. I just prefer Jerry Judy. And I still – I still nothing against Lamb. I just love Judy. I love the way Judy plays. I love his ability to separate and his ability to generate natural separation. And it's just – it's it's he's so fun to watch. CeeDee Lamb's fun in his own right. The, this receiving class, this is one of those examples of don't die on your hill. Just enjoy what's in front of you. You have CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, who had three for 86 in a score in this game on five targets. And this was a down game from his standards. See, just other than Henry Ruggs, this receiving, this rookie receiving class is doing fun things. And if it and if the offense in Vegas would just generate touches for him like they should, Ruggs would even be having a good season. So I'm just so yeah, CeeDee Lamb, I had him as wide receiver too. I still loved him overall. Uh his catch was impressive. Amari Cooper, 6 for 81 on 7 targets. Michael Gallup, 2 for 29 on 5. That's not great. You would have liked to have seen more out of Gallup, but Cooper clearly has value as long as Dalton is there, right? And then... The offense has value as long as Cooper... Or, I'm sorry, Dalton is there. And Gallup, we, we knew that he was going to take a big hit when, when Dak went down. He hasn't really done a whole lot since Dak went down. I think he had one decent game, but... 
Yeah, he had the, the, game. the talent is there for Gallup. He's another buy low candidate because uh, once Dak comes back, he resumes. I think he resumes some of that role. Um, if not, Isn't the Danucci game that he had like seven targets and a bunch of deep ones that he came down possibly. with. Possibly, it's possible. Yeah, I just only had one good game. He's only had one good game since Dak left, uh, or not left, but got injured. And it, it's just gonna be who Michael Gallup is. Unfortunately, I mean, there's just too many mouths to feed this offense. I think he's still a super talented player. But uh, Dalton Schultz old life. Four for 25 and a score. I mean, he's been pretty consistent other than the touchdowns. I mean, he's still getting I just consistent work. The, like, when Dak was there, he was putting up, like, four or five for 60 or 70. Just with Dalton under center, he's been getting 20 or less yards every single week. Like, his, his, oh, his yardage prop went from 50 yard, 49 and a half yards per week to, like, 29 and a half yards per week right now. Fair. And I think that's even high. But, yeah, right. so on to the Minnesota side, though. Adam Thielen, eight for one twenty-three and two scores and eleven on eleven targets. That little bet of uh, him being out of the NFL isn't looking too good, is it, Tyler? Nope. <laughs> That's okay. I'm, I'm, I You'll still don't have any shares. I'll eat crow I guess. But uh, Justin Jefferson, three for eighty-six and a score, so decent day there. Nothing else really too much to dissect here. I don't think. I mean, the game was the way that it went. I mean, there's the defense for the Cowboys starting to show up. I guess that's the only real note here. And other than that, I mean, they're not still they're still not really stopping anybody. They're just kind of stopping people more than they were. And they had nine quarterback hits on the day. They got after Kirk Cousins. Well, I mean, the offensive line for Minnesota is not good. It's in not. Pa- but, like, they only had blocking two, role, but they only had two sacks. But they had nine quarterback hits. They got after him in that aspect. Randy Gregory got hit him three different times. All right, let's move on to Chiefs and Raiders. Uh, this one's a little bit more fun, I think, to talk about. Let's talk about the Raiders' side first. They ended up losing this game by four, uh, 35-31. Chiefs are 9-1 on the year, Raiders 6-4. and four. The Derek Carr finished the game 23-31, of 31, 275 yards, three touchdowns. Josh Jacobs, 17, of 55, uh, 17 for 55 on the ground for a touchdown, uh, with a touchdown. Devontae Booker, 5 for 16, he kind of came back to earth. Didn't really expect him to do much. Uh, Nelson Aguilar continues to be a thing. Uh, but him and Darren Waller both had 88 yards. Aguilar had six receptions. Waller had seven. Uh, Aguilar had nine targets. Waller had seven. So that is it. Absolutely nothing else of note on this Raiders offense. Uh, do you have anything to add here? I hate the Raiders for not using Henry Ruggs like you should. Yeah. Stop it. You have a you have a special special talent at receiver. You, you look across look across the field. Look at how the Chiefs use Tyreek Hill. They, I understand they're not the same player. But just get it just get in the ball. Just find ways to get in the ball. He's going to get separation. I get, there's not a quarter in football that can like stick with him on a consistent basis. Come on. Just get him involved in the offense. I understand Nelson Aguilar is having a breakout. He's finally getting to be the guy we thought he was when he was drafted. Darren Waller is outstanding. He is top three tight end. I'm going to put him top three. He's yeah. clearly he's clearly third behind Kelsey and Kittle, but he is definitely third. Get, I understand getting them the ball, but get Henry Ruggs the ball. There's no reason he should finish the day with one target and then one carry for 12 yards. Just let him get the ball. Brian Edwards had one catch for one yard. That's enough. Patrick Mahomes did Patrick Mahomes things. 34 for 45, 348 yards, two touchdowns, and a score or and a pick. And then Travis Kelsey had one for one for four yards, so that was fun. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is back, 14 for 69 and two scores. Le'Veon Bell, seven for 25, got into the end zone himself. Uh, 
Then it comes to the receiving game, and it's uh, pretty chalky at the top. Eight for 127 and a score for Kelsey. He had 10 targets on the day. His touchdown was probably the easiest touchdown he's had in his damn career. He had to go and run, and Jonathan Abram just said, hey, I'm not going to cover you. I'm going to go try and tackle Patrick Mahomes 25 yards away, but I'm going to go after him. Tyree Kill had 11 for 102 and a score. He had 14 targets. Like I said earlier when we were talking about possession receivers and Mark and uh, Marquise Brown, Tyree Kill isn't a possession receiver, but he kind of is. He's catching a high percentage of his passes. He's caught 23 of 34 over the last three weeks. I'm not exactly sure what the math is on that. That's 67%. That's not bad. For a guy that everyone perceives as a downfield threat, that's a pretty damn good percentage. And you're starting him every week, but he knew that. Moving on, Demarcus Robinson at 6 for 44, had 8 targets. Like I said earlier, I joke that Demarcus Robinson is Patrick Mahomes' favorite target, but he throws in the ball a ton. He's not a great option, but in deep leagues as a flex play, he gives you that high ceiling every single week, and you know that he's going to get probably between 4, 5, 6, maybe 7 or 8 targets, depending on how much the Chiefs are throwing the ball. Yeah, I actually have absolutely nothing to add there. Uh, I want to talk about the next game, though. Do we have to? We do. Packers Colts. Tons of fan, tons of fancy points all around here because the defenses did not show up. Uh, the Colts. I mean, the Colts did. Let's put it this way: the Colts did, but they uh, still gave up. They still gave up a bunch of points. Aaron Rodgers, twenty-seven, thirty-eight, three hundred and eleven yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. Now I want to talk about this pick real quick. That pick was a tremendous play by Rocky Asin. That was a tremendous play by Rocky Asin. Not going to say that Rodgers shouldn't have thrown that ball, but I think. 99% of the quarterbacks would throw that ball. Uh, they thought he thought he had Marcos Otis Scantling. If he throws that ball high, it's fine. I think I talked about this with Mike Wendland. Um, I think he, I think he was protecting Marcos Valdez Scantling because if you look, if you watch that play, if he throws that high, Marquez Valdez Scantling is going to get destroyed by that safety. But I'm saying like I'm not saying like high and inside. If he's able to throw that high and outside, kind of taking him towards the sideline, I think that the momentum of the ball and his own body might carry him away because the the hit was coming from behind so i think if he goes high and outside with it that would have helped the hit would have come and kind of been more of a glancing blow than a big shot i understand one thing that i love about rogers and he's always done this is he protects his receivers i don't know what game i was watching yesterday where a receiver got a ball thrown oh it was uh, ty hilton yeah ty hilton got the ball thrown to him in between like four different packers defenders and then yeah, someone your made name the joke the of there. his name is just T. Hilton now. And I'm like, no, his name is Y. Hilton, as in why did you throw me the damn ball there? <laughs> but so Rodgers does a good job of that. I, I agree on that play. It was a great play by Rockasine. I don't want to take that away from him. I think if Rodgers throws it high and outside, if he throws it high and inside, yeah, MBS is getting rocked. But if he's able to throw that high and outside and allow him to use that length and take him towards the sideline, I think that he might be able to complete that. But then again... Aaron Rodgers is a two-time MVP, and I let sit. I'm sitting <laughs> exactly. in my chair in my, in my bedroom. Hypotheticals uh, here. Let's move on the running. Yeah. Let's move into the rushing attack. Uh, as we kind of expected, the Colts were able to do a pretty good job of stifling the running attack for the Packers. Ten carries, 41 yards. Still got a score for Aaron Jones, so he salvaged his day there. Uh, in the in the receiving game, he had four for 30. Uh, other than that, nothing notable in the running attack. But in the receiving game. Uh, seven for 106 for Devontae Adams, eight, eight targets, six targets for Melquiz Velda Scantling, three for 55, uh, five for 44, and a score for Robert Tunyon. So overall, it was a pretty, they distributed the ball pretty evenly. Uh, and this is kind of what I thought the offense could look like a little bit more coming into the season. 
uh, was this just even distribution? Even distribution. Five five players had four or more targets, and I, I think that's something we're going to see pretty consistently moving down, uh, moving into the second half or the se- the second stretch of the season, I guess you'd say. So, do you have anything to add for this Packers wide receiver co- uh, or receiving core receiving group? I think is uh, like Lazard was obviously on a pitch count. I think that he'll be. I think he'll see more work as the like like next week. Um, obviously next week they have a good matchup like against Chicago. And I say a good matchup because Green Bay just owns Chicago. They have their number. Um, the Chicago corners are great. I've talked about them all year long, but I think Lazard has more, sees more work moving forward. Lazard, I think takes a slight setback, still has the high ceiling, but he doesn't have the same, like the same floor that we've been used to. Um, not a lot to add there. I, I talked about, so I live in Indiana for those that don't know that, that are new less listeners. Thank you for being here. We're glad to have you. I live in Indiana. I, on Friday, I talked about, I'm like, Green Bay is going to win. I was like, Green Bay is the better team here. And as soon as the game ended, I gave myself about 30 minutes to kind of collect myself, kind of think about the game. As someone came in today, and I talked a little bit of smack at work. Someone came today. So how are we going to handle this gauge? And I'm like, Green Bay is still the better team. And I like, I they still firmly believe that. Green Bay was a better team at moving the ball. They had... Rodgers had more three yards. fumbles. Is that what it was? Three fumbles. Three right? fumbles and a pick. You have to be and and the difference between Green Bay, like Green Bay's defense. Everyone wants to rag on their defense. The defense with four short fields, they showed up. Like they forced field goals. I understand at the end of the game, yes, Rodrigo Blankenship. They they only had to kick a field goal because that's all they needed. But Green Bay wasn't allowing touchdowns off of these fumbles and turnovers they were forcing field goals the defense did their job the offense didn't do theirs and the offense still had a good day I still think Green Bay is the better team here if these two teams matched up another nine times I think Green Bay would win eight out of those nine matchups because I think because this is the second time this year that Green Bay has needed to have a historically bad day taking care of the football to lose both times it's come on the road against Tampa Bay they had obviously a a Rodgers through a pick six and had another pick right after it. They had multiple fumbles. They kept Rodgers relatively clean on the day. Only got sacked one time. Only got hit once. So I think that this is pretty fluky. The Green Bay offense is still great. Moving on to the Colts, Phillip Rivers, 288 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. He only got sacked one time, which was depressing because Green Bay's pass rush was on him a lot. Jonathan Taylor showed life, 22 for 90. Almost, I think he had like three touchdowns called back. Ryan Hines got hurt, right? Is that why he didn't get any carries? No, he got six carries and only had two yards. He didn't do anything. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Rap sheet lied to everybody. No, it's actually, like did you see game. that? It was a Roto yeah. World. So Roto World, uh, there was a Roto World report about how Frank Reich said they're gonna ride the hot hand, and so somebody that was, wrote that was a, that was a Roto that was a Rap sheet tweet. They sourced it from him. There was more. Roto World was, used. But I'm saying there was more thought, to the quote. That's my, my point. So they pulled they pulled the part that said Hines will be the starting running back or whatever. But in reality, the quote from Ian Rappaport said that the Colts are going to continue to ride the hot hand and that that currently was Naheem Hines. So there was a deduction there. But yes, anyway, I digress. The, Jonathan Taylor, as we told you, was still the running back one in this offense. Uh, and it, he was able to do stuff with it this week. Uh, he averaged over four yards to carry. Uh, he looked good. There were a couple of really nice plays. The Colts had, like, what, five or six holding penalties, um, a couple of which – and that was actually – that's at the end of the game. They had a couple more 
That was on one drive, too. Yeah. Like, they and just had a holding penalty every time for the final quarter. I legit and thought I, that they were trying to do it on purpose at some point. Because it was like, are they trying to, like, run off the clock? Like, what are they trying to do here? But, but that wouldn't – that because the clock kept stopping. Right. I have friends that are Colts fans who tried to argue the Zach Pascal when they're like, he got ran into it. I'm like, he wrapped his arms around the guy. If he, he puts tackled his arms him. Out and, <laughs> if he puts his arms out and, gets, and falls over backwards, no one says a word. But guess yeah. what? When you wrap your arms around somebody – that's going to get called, whether you like it or not. This game was oh, tremendous. Also, yes, okay, I'm sorry. The, no, the D-Bock, uh, I, I, got, I got those comments, was D-Bock's jumping every snap. And I'm like, no, he's not. He's he's watching the snap. He's watching the ball. He does it. He's done it forever. He If you don't know, go watch. Go watch him, what he does. And he's got plenty of interviews where he said this. He watches the ball, and he goes. And his jump is just tremendous i don't want to get into the offsides on defense for the packers because i thought there were a couple that were just like the packers jumping the ball and i thought they did a good job of jumping the ball and they still called offsides but not not the point uh jonathan taylor 22 carries 90 yards he's going to be the rb1 here in indianapolis uh shocker this was a confidence building game for him this is a game that he needed uh going against a team of the Green Bay Packers, for which he played at Wisconsin. I know he has talked about the Packers, and he had admiration for the Packers. This was a big game for him. Uh, so Jonathan Taylor, big game. Hopefully this can boost his confidence moving forward. He had a he had a couple of really nice runs that got called back. Uh, maybe they were nice runs because of the holding. I don't know. But they were really nice cutbacks. He had a couple of really nice runs that got called back. So 22 carries for 90 yards does not even truly show the success that he had this week. Uh, on the receiving area of the chart for Indianapolis. Absolutely nothing of note here. Absolutely nothing of Michael note. Michael Pittman Jr.? No. That touchdown, from a fantasy perspective, was garbage. So, I don't care. I don't care about it. And uh, 3 for 66 is great, but 45 of those came because Mike Patton decided that he didn't want to cover a wide receiver and then throw a linebacker and cover in, in a hook zone in the middle of the field trying to have Christian Kirksey cover Michael Pittman on a crosser. Like, that's not going to work. Like, it's never going to work. Matt LaFleur said today that they're not going to do that anymore. Yeah, he said I, today, I freaking he's hope like, so. He's, he said today, he's like, yeah, the coaches kind of got together. We can't be playing that soft. We can't have it. We got to be playing got together. I.e., LaFleur said, Patton, get your shit together. All right. So... I, I, this defense needs to become more aggressive. They've been good when they become aggressive. We've seen flashes of it. Uh, that Michael Pittman Jr. touchdown was not an example of that. Uh, one of the saddest displays of coverage I've seen in a long time uh, from this Packers defense. And so, otherwise, this, this offense is pretty what we expect it to be. I mean, three targets for Pittman, three targets for Pascal, six for Hilton, but he got relatively shut down. Jair Alexander did a great job on TY in a couple plays. Uh, as we talked about earlier, Hilton got crushed across the middle on a deep end. Uh, Adrian Amos played it super well, made a big hit. Naeem Hines, four targets. Trey Burton, five targets. He's, he salvaged the day with a touchdown. That was another thing. Preston Smith was in coverage on that touchdown. Oh, my God. I could go on for days. Um... Jonathan Taylor had four targets, four catches for 20 yard, 24 yards. Nothing else of note here. No, there's not. Um, watching this Green Bay defense gives me pain. Um, it's Talk about stuff. freaking galaxy braining, man. My they're, just, they're doing too much, man. They're, you're doing too much with it. You have Phillip Rivers. We were only charged with five quarterback hits on the day, and I don't think that that's accurate. I think that they got after him more than that. Kenny Clark got the one sack. Just stop. Stop overthinking it. 
Just go – like you have a quarterback who is immobile. You have receivers who are not going to beat you athletically because you have athletes in your secondary. Go up, challenge them at the line of scrimmage, and then put, and then put dudes in the box. It's not hard. It's the same thing I said when we played Jacksonville. Make them beat you in a way that they don't want to win. Take away the way they want to win and force them to win otherwise. If you go up and, – and Green Bay even had a good day relatively against the run. Yes, I understand they gave up 140 yards, but they held them to 3.8 yards per carry. That's a good day. That is a good day for a defense going this up defense against this defense is so infuriating. They were actually doing a good job of stopping the run in the first half. and then they were Patton, playing aggressive and swarming right, the ball. They were doing – Everything you needed to do in run defense, they were they were filling their gaps. They were swarming. They, they had their eyes in the backfield. They weren't they weren't just reacting. They were reading and they were playing fast. And then it was a complete 180 because of stupid things like putting Preston Smith trying to cover Trey Burton on a freaking seam route. Like it's not gonna work. It's just not. That was gonna another work. thing that uh, Lafleur talked about in terms of uh, swarming the ball. He said, "Yeah, we did a good job of that, but it wasn't very consistent." Yeah, no, it wasn't. And there were two plays. There, there was two plays in the first quarter right before the Pittman touchdown. Because I think the I think the Pittman touchdown was a third down play, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, it was. Because and the, they, the it was first and second down, long, yeah, but it was a longer third down. The first and second down plays were two of the best defensive plays I've seen from this team all year long. And then and then Pettin Gallaty brings himself and says, "I'm gonna put Kirksey in a hook zone trying to cover the first down marker while Pittman runs right freaking by him and gets a 45 yard touchdown." Yeah, on, I'm, not peed. Wanna, I'm not mad. I don't, I don't know if you can tell. The, but. <laughs> the play log real quick was so it was right. No, that was a first down play. Uh, it was early. It was a little earlier in the drive. So Naeem Hines one yard carry. Naeem Hines negative three yard carry. And then there was the T Y Hilton the the ultra soft oh, gosh, Kevin wow, King okay. coverage. Like Kevin King is playing 13 yards off when you need 13 yards. You're six three, 220 pound, strong man corner is playing 13 yards off the line of scrimmage. Why? And then you had the the Harris run for 19 yards, and then there was the Pittman Jr. touchdown. So it was a first down play, but yeah, they started the drive really well, and if you just play that first third down correctly, you never get to the Pittman play. If you play on third down, you play aggressive, you really pin your ears back, because you have third and 13. Pin your ears back, put your guys in man coverage, because they're going to hold up, press, because you, you think Kevin King likes playing 13 yards off? No. He, if I'm – okay, there's this whole debate about who to sign in the offseason. If I'm Kevin King, I'm going and saying, who's going to let me play press man? You're going to let me play press man? Cool. I'm coming and playing for you. I'm tired of this stupid soft nonsense. I want to come up and I want to body receivers at the line of scrimmage and use my size because guess what? That's how I win. Jair gets to do that a little and when Jair does it, he makes plays and he generates energy on the defense. Let the defense play fast and aggressive. Quit trying to – like they're trying to do what the Colts do, which is to not get beat over the top. But they're just getting gashed underneath, and they don't have the guys in the middle to really make up for that. Darius Leonard makes up for the underneath stuff that they allow. Kurt, Christian Kirksey, for all of his talent, can't do that. No, no, he cannot. And um, I think we should table this for – a later time because this is not a Packers podcast. Uh, while we are Packers fans and we could talk about this passionately for a while, this is not a Packers podcast. So thank you for listening. Uh, if you've listened to us, <laughs> listen to us rant here for about ten minutes now about this game. There's a lot to talk about. There's going to be a lot to talk about as we move into the off season and the playoffs for the Packers. Uh, 
maybe as the maybe as we get into the playoffs, we can do a little bit more Packer speak on this since uh, since there's no fantasy or less fantasy to go through. Uh, yeah, do you have anything to add for the week? No, nothing productive. I'm, I'll be glad to have you back next week Sunday though. Yeah, I know Alex is kind of lame sometimes. But, wow! Um, <laughs> don't Alex like that. He no, he's a good guy. I'm just glad he's By the way, just so everybody knows, the reason Tyler couldn't attend was because he broke his table. So that's why um, he wasn't there. I broke a desk in a move. That's yeah. it's an adult thing to do. So. Wow. <laughs> he's going to slam me on my own podcast and call me a child just because I have a folding table desk. That's what you get for calling me out, man. So, uh, well, as you go, uh, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you're subscribing on YouTube. Make sure you're subscribing on your podcast listening platform of choice. Uh, click the little bell on YouTube to subscribe anywhere else. Make sure you're liking, rating, and subscribing. Uh, or leaving feedback, I should say, uh, leaving reviews. Let us know what we can do better. Let us know what we're doing well. Uh, that way we can continue to cater our content for you. Uh, make sure you're tuning in on Thursday evening at 6.30 Eastern for the live stream for Week 12 review. Uh, we might start getting into some fantasy playoff content at that point. So uh, Week 12 review or preview excuse me, on Thursday at 6.30 Eastern on the Game on Wisconsin YouTube, uh, also on Periscope and Facebook. Make sure you're checking us out there. Come up, come with your questions. Uh, we had a really good showing last week. And the Sunday live stream, the Sunday morning live, uh, sit-start live stream, was also popping this, this past week. I had an opportunity, even though I was not on the show, to pop in. And the chat was lively, and I love it. Keep it up. Keep the energy coming. Uh, make sure you're tuning in on Sunday at 11 Eastern for that. Uh, make sure you're coming with the questions for that as well. But I don't have anything else to add, so I'm going to let you guys go. Thank you for tuning in as always, and Go Pack Go!